Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Any amount of time that we are given over to worry and fear is a waste of time. Because what it says is, is that God's not going to take care of me. God's not going to protect me. God's not going to direct me. God doesn't love me. God's not going to be there for me. God has uh, malicious intentions. God is not good. God is not to be trusted. To fear, to worry is to distrust God. And it's a sin, by the way. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. We've all experienced fear, but as Christians, it's time for us to realize that we don't need to. Pastor J.D. challenges us to truly understand who our God is. When we fully realize His holiness, the fact that He desires to help us, we can know that there's truly nothing to fear. Commit to Him and His will, and you can confidently stand fearing nothing. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 10 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. So, chapter 10, verse, let's, I'm going to read this psalm in, in its entirety. Why do you stand afar off, verse 1, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked, in his pride, persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked, verse 4, in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. He sits, verse 8, in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws him into his net. So he crouches, he lies low that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. Arise, O Lord. Oh God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why? Verse 13, do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. But 
you have seen. For you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. Uh, what a psalm. <laughs> What a psalm. Um, it's a difficult one. And I say that because this psalm deals with what I would argue is one of the biggest problems for a child of God. And it's that of why it seems that God somehow lets evil go unchecked, unpunished. David, in writing this psalm, is crying out to God as if to say, God, why are you so distant? Why are you silent in the face of this? It seems that not only do the evil seemingly get away with their evil, but they actually seem to prosper in their evil as well. David is so perplexed, and you can't blame him. In verse 13, he asks, and interesting, he also answers this question of, why do they renounce the Lord? Why is there such arrogance and, and pride in their talk and in their deeds? And, and why do they do this? And here's the answer. He answers his own question. He says, it's because they think that God will not require an account. Wrong. God will require an account. But this is the answer to the dilemma, the question that David and us with him are faced with in this psalm. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the main reasons that people continue in their evil, this would absolutely have to be it. They think that God's silence, God not judging evil swiftly, means that he somehow doesn't care. Or worse yet, his silence is his approving of it. And that's blasphemous, even the mention of it. This is the lie of the enemy, is it not? And sadly, it's been met with stunning success. And what I mean by that is, especially in the life of a believer, the enemy is met with success in getting us to forget that one day we will give an account for every word we have spoken. And we're going to talk more about that as we get into these other Psalms tonight. 
Every deed done, every word uttered, we will give an account for. Now for us as believers, we plead guilty as charged and we throw ourselves at the mercy of the judge of the universe. And because Jesus has paid for every single sin in full, we are free, justified, just if I'd never sinned. And that's the hope that we have, but we will give an account. G. Campbell Morgan of this said, Under the rule of God, the day must come when that man who is of the earth may be terrible no more. These were the concluding words of the song, and they constitute a fitting answer to its opening inquiry. In other words, God is just. We've been talking about this, haven't we? God will judge and judgment will come. And though it seems like evil continues, though it seems like evil prospers, there will come a day and there will come an end and God will bring it to an end. Psalm 11. To the chief musician, it's a Psalm of David, verse 1. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look. The wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord, verse 5, tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, get this, his soul hates. Think about that. Upon the wicked, verse 6, he will rain coals, (laughs) fire and brimstone. Wow. And a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Again, this is David trying to reconcile the evil all around him. The evil that has come against him with the righteousness of a holy God. What's God going to do about it? Oh, God will do something about it. That day is coming. Their end is coming. And... I'll tell you, this is one of those places where you talk about fire and brimstone. You know, you, you bat, you're, you're just preaching fire and brimstone. I'm just preaching the word right here. Fire and brimstone. Verse 6. You don't find that on too many refrigerators. Of course, you don't find anything on refrigerators anymore. Everything's computerized on your wallpaper. And this isn't probably somebody's life verse. You know what my life verse is? It's Psalm 11, verse 6. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire, and brimstone. That's my life verse. Wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> so David is penning this psalm, if I can say it that way. And it's at a time in his life when he is being crippled by fear. It's believed that he wrote 
Psalm 11 when Saul was attempting to kill him. And in all fairness to David, he is afraid. And by the way, maybe this is uh, as good of a time as any to kind of clear up something. Uh, Fear is real. And throughout the pages of Holy Writ, we find man of God after man of God who found themselves in a very fearful situation. And this is why God will declare, I'm thinking of Joshua chapter 1. Here's a guy that is just in fear and trepidation. He succeeds Moses now. Them are big sandals to fill, right? And he's afraid. And what does God say to him repeatedly? Do not be afraid. Be of good courage. Be encouraged. You be strong. Do not be afraid. Why would he say, do not be afraid, if he wasn't afraid? And you can take that throughout the entirety of Scripture, both Old and New Testament. I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul. I think it's about Acts chapter 18. I'm probably wrong. But he knows what awaits him, and he's fearful. And the Lord appears to him and says, do not be afraid, Paul. I have many people in this city, because he knows that every time he goes into a city, he gets stoned and beat, and they threaten to kill him. And he knows what awaits. And he fears it. I guess what I'm saying is, and please please hear me out, it's very real to have fear. Don't let fear have you. So, and I, I speak as one who knows a thing or two about fear and worry. I'm really good at it. No, I'm serious. I'm really good at worrying. I'll, I'll go head, head to head and toe to toe with anybody, and I, I promise you, I'll I'll give you a run for your money in the area of worry. I'm, I'm, I'm a good, I'm a professional worrier. No, I'm serious. I can, I can worry like you can't imagine. And if I don't have anything in my own life to worry about, I'll find something in your life that I can worry about for you. That's how good I am at it. And the roommate of worry is fear. But here's the thing. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But here's the enemy. And he, so it's so subtle. He starts planting these these seeds, these thoughts in our minds, and we start to kind of entertain them. And it usually starts off like this. What if? You know, David, as we're going to see, and as we uh, saw even in First and Second Samuel, he actually thought that this is how his life would end. Saul would eventually kill him. And what's interesting to me about that is that he had the promise and the anointing of God to become the king of Israel. And here's... The king that he will succeed that is out to kill him. How's that one? Here's what I'm thinking. Fear is fostered when 
the circumstances in our life contradict the promises of God. Everything around you goes contrary to what you know to be true about what God has promised you. I think of Joseph. (laughs) If there was ever a guy, I mean, he gets this dream, this, this vision, and for the next 17 years, that's a very long time, for the next 17 years, everything in his life contradicts the vision, the dream, the promise that God had given him. Let me ask you a question. Why would God have Samuel go to the house of Jesse, anoint David king of Israel, and then for years have David be homeless, living in caves, living in fear for his life because of Saul? Why would God allow that to happen? Here's a thought. He is preparing him for that which he is preparing for him. With Joseph, God cannot make Joseph, 17 years later, the most powerful man in the world, save Pharaoh, until he's first prepared him. And the same thing is true for David in a little bit of a different way. It's my belief, and we talked about this when we were in First and Second Samuel, that God was showing David what a king is not in Saul before he could have him take his rightful place on the throne. And he would be the greatest king of Israel, from whom the Savior of the world would come. And he had to prepare David for that which was prepared for David. But David is afraid. And that's okay. It's okay to have fear, but don't let fear have you. And what I love about this psalm is that if you were to put a caption on it, it would have to be something along the lines of what to do when you're afraid. What to do when you're crippled. Not if, when. (laughs) I think there's not a one of us here in this church tonight that wouldn't say, I've never been afraid. No, when you're afraid and when you're crippled by fear, what do you do? Well, what does David do? And that's the lesson of the psalm. He takes his fear to the Lord and he puts his trust in the Lord. That's what he does. And... Stay with me on this and think about this. The only way that he's able to put his trust in the Lord when he's afraid is to take his fear to the Lord. But see, it sounds simple enough. Maybe it's too simple, but here's what we do when we're afraid. We manufacture all of these potential, plausible scenarios, and we're really I mean, it's, it's very, very creative. The most unthinkable horrors that the mind could ever imagine come to mind. And of course, the enemy's right there to help you. But you think, oh my goodness, what if Saul kills me? What if this is how it ends? What if that happens? What if this happens? And to do that is to... 
how do I, how do I say this without sounding, and maybe I, I speak of myself, but is that not a slap in the face of God? Because this is what you're saying to God when you do that. You're saying to God, either you don't care about me, you don't love me, or you're angry with me and you want to harm me. I think about Jeremiah 29, 11, I think it is, where the Lord declares, I know the plans that I have for you. Not to harm you, not to hurt you, not to punish you, not to destroy you, but to give you a future and a hope. I've heard it said this way, and I'm going to uh, sort of tailor it to our study tonight, but I've heard it said this way, that one minute spent worrying or in fear is a waste of one minute. Any amount of time that we are given over to worry and fear is a waste of time. Because what it says is is that God's not going to take care of me. God's not going to protect me. God's not going to direct me. God doesn't love me. God's not going to be there for me. God has uh, malicious intentions. God is not good. God is not to be trusted. To fear, to worry is to distrust God. And it's a sin, by the way. It's a sin. The sin of worry. (laughs) Well, here's David now. He's fearful. He's stressed. He's worried. He's concerned. But it's this trust in the Lord that enables him, in verse 1, notice, to reject the advice of his well-intentioned friends who are telling him, David, you better flee as a bird to the mountains. And David does not do that. Why? Because... And this is a very important principle, and I think it's the takeaway, at least from this psalm. We should never make a decision when we're under the influence of fear. You will never make a good decision if you're in fear, if you're worried, because you're not in faith. You're not operating in the arena of faith, which is the antithesis of fear. What's faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of that which is yet unseen. And evidence is a pretty strong word, by the way. Is not faith the antithesis of fear? Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow, You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. 
A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 